0: Aloha. I'm so glad for all my listeners to be here with me. We have a wonderful guest today who's going to talk about some really important stuff that often gets not enough attention having to do with grief. This is Donna Kendrick, and welcome, Donna. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Great. Can you tell us a little bit about you and
1: your book and what you do? And Yeah, definitely. So hello, everybody. I am Donna Kendrick. My story kind of starts out born and raised in Philadelphia. Um, I got married to my husband, Gregory, in the year 2000. Over those next 13 years, he and I had two, uh, three beautiful children, and we followed his career abroad. So we actually lived in Rome for many, many years. Um, mm-hmm. And then in 2013, uh, came back stateside with his job again, and he passed away suddenly when my kids were eight 11 and 12. And that just started that roller coaster ride of grief and widowhood that I wasn't expecting at age 40. And through the next few years, um, took some time to raise my kids, probably about two years, and then knew I had to recreate my career. I had to start earning an income, but decided to kind of do it with um, a passion for helping men and women in widowhood hold their finances together. And I became a financial advisor, helping those in widowhood with those first few years of life and beyond. After COVID hit, kind of realized, like, I got to get this message out there a little bit bigger. And so I wrote a book called A Guide to Widowhood, Navigating the First Three Years with Your Heart, Soul and Finances Intact. And then I just kind of spread my wings to make sure that there was a resource out there for all the men and women in widowhood trying to do it on their own or with the support of a spouse or community uh, with the support of the community or loved ones um, to help them make those next best decisions. And I am just so thankful that you're having us on the podcast today to kind of align these big decisions that we have to make while we're sitting in grief. And how do you do it? Uh, it's so important. Having uh, been widowed
0: twice myself, I understand all the complications that happen. Fortunately, I was prepared because both my husbands happened to be, the last two years of each of their lives were very unhealthy. We had a lot of things that we had to tend to, but because of that, we knew what was coming. And we were able to talk about things and prepare for things and get our affairs in order and do the legal things that we needed to do. And it, it started out even before finances with the importance of having a durable power of attorney for health care. Yeah. So that there was no question about what either one of them wanted to have happen. And I was so glad that I had those because I didn't have to think, well, what would he
1: really want? Because I knew what he really wanted in yeah, both you had cases. Yeah, conversations ahead of time and there's transparency. I kind of joke around now when I go out speaking about the book that the book should have been um, titled, Don't Wait for Widowhood, Get Yourself in Order. Because it is, we call it for our couples, the new six-pack, right? So uh, yeah. having their will, their power of attorney, and their health care directive, one for each of the couples. And to have that transparency that you were able to share with your husbands about what are your wishes? What are our next best steps? How do we organize ourselves? You can do that at any time because we don't know what tomorrow will bring. And I highly encourage our young couples, especially those with kids, to make sure that they have those conversations because that's one one worry that if you're suddenly faced with widowhood or even if you know about it, that you know it's taken care of. It's, it's that guidepost that you get to make your decisions from it's just so important I absolutely love the six-pack idea because it
0: <laughs> by by calling it that it's kind of non-threatening and and you say oh I can do this it's it's not like oh my gosh I've got to do all this financial stuff and I don't want to know
1: and you know yeah. all, all that sort of stuff really easy to get someone to agree to do you guys want to get me a six pack and they're like yeah, yeah sure <laughs> We're like okay so here's the estate attorney's yeah. information changes everything but they've already agreed and I mommy them through it <laughs> like oh. okay, let's Get it done. That is so cool. i I just I wish everybody could have
0: that. i've I've heard some very sad stories, especially when it's sudden death because you just uh, you keep thinking that oh, someday we'll get around to talking about
1: that sort of thing. and then all of a sudden you're in the position and you can't ask. yeah. my husband and I were lucky because at a very young age, we actually had a financial advisor. Like in our young 20s. And that was because we did travel abroad, right? And uh, my late husband worked for Homeland Security. So it was federal law enforcement. So, yeah, we knew there were some risks to him. And so we had our estate documents together and we had a financial plan in place. So when he passed, we were squared away, I like to say, right? And there was life insurance to help me educate the kids and keep my house. I was what I call a lucky one. But even with that, even with me knowing all the passwords and being in charge of the bills, uh, my head was still swirling. I didn't know which way to go next. And I needed someone to walk alongside me me and, and help me make those decisions. The ones I had to make those immediate decisions and push them off because I was really concerned about the well-being of my kids at the time. We had just moved into a new neighborhood. They were in a new school and then their dad passes. And I was like, oh darn, like these guys are going to need a little extra TLC for the next few years and beyond. So to have someone walking alongside of me, a new financial advisor to help me, with that timeline, right, of when to make these decisions, what or have to, where I might actually lose some opportunity for taxes, things like that. Um, And even to know when I had to get myself back out there and start earning a living again, um, after taking a long break to follow my husband abroad and raise our kids. It was a reality check, but I didn't feel overwhelmed because I digested the information slowly. um, And I knew that path in front of me
0: that's that's so important Uh, so many people are even when they think they're prepared they realize that they what they set up was for what the financial situation was at the time that they set it up and these last few years (laughs) what was ten dollars ten years ago is not ten dollars now yes so it's it's really important to revisit things it's it's great to set it up but
1: revisit it and keep on top of it. Make sure that, that whenever it is that you're ready. And that is wise advice. So like I shared, like my husband and I had a financial advisor and I was very savvy with where the family finances were and the logins and all the retirement. But let that be even being said. So my husband was all of the retirement money. It was his savings and it was TSP, like a 401 Okay, And I knew he was maximizing that every year. So check the box. We're doing what we should do. I never asked him how he was invested. Was it all in equities? Was it in fixed income? So when he passed, I got the statement and realized he was, quote unquote, pretty safe, very exposed to fixed income, a lot of cash holdings. And we had just gone through that growth of 2010, 11, 12. And I was like, oh, we've missed a big part of the marketplace. How did I never ask him? How did I never ask to look at those investments? And so that was something we had to do um, was reallocate those investments for my, my long term. I hope to live to well into my 90s. So we had to make that money work for us or even how to get life insurance money and make it feel like retirement money. How do you make that happen? These were things that I wasn't ready to wrap my head around. But go back to it. We had the plan in place, but I never asked for the details. I never revisited. I never paid attention to all of the layers. Um, and that's something that I strive to help my widows do to keep control of it. right? And even my young couples have the transparency. Um, use somebody, a professional to help you share that conversation if you need to. It's so important. And
0: uh, one thing I was just thinking when you were saying that, we always talk about our husbands, but wives die too sometimes. And husbands can be really unprepared for that sort of thing. So don't just assume that it's, you know, (laughs) that the the guys assume they're going to go first so they don't have to worry about it. And that can create some really sad situations happening. It definitely can. And it it isn't just um, spouses. I know my mother had several sisters, and she just had one left when, after she died. And I had gone to a funeral of one of my other aunts. And this this one sister, Aunt Isla, I'll call her by name so, because there's so many sisters, it gets confusing. And Isla told me after the funeral, she goes, you know, there's something I should tell you. I said, oh, okay. She said, I made you the, my decision maker on everything. And I said, well, thank you for telling me, <laughs> oh, you know, that's that's really good. She had a son. I just assumed her son would be the decision maker, but he'd been in an accident and had some issues after that happened, after a bad car accident. So she felt that everything could be taken care of better if, if I would take care of it for her. And I said, okay, well, what do you want? And where are things and things? And she said, oh, we'll, we'll talk about it. Well... <laughs> unbeknownst to us she already had a brain tumor and i'm not sure that at that time she even remembered where anything was so trying to track things down it was one of the biggest challenges of my life so and you don't want that to happen when you're in the middle of grief too you know and it can be a spouse it can be a child it can be a friend who puts you in control of something i know what my husband um jacques had a a good friend who died in a car accident on his 40th birthday. And so nobody was expecting he was going to die. He was divorced, didn't have any children. And he had like three different people that were sure that they they were the people in charge of everything, including my husband, because he'd been the best man at our wedding. And they were really, really close. And he just assumed he'd be the one. And he wasn't. And so these guys were kind of uh, discussing about who it would be, but none of them knew where any of the paperwork was. So it it turned into a big mess. It finally got worked out, but it was stress that none of them needed to be dealing with at that point. Agreed. So okay.
1: talk to whoever you're you're close to. Whoever this yeah. could be uh, significant for you. No, and that brings up two topics. Of one, the importance of being organized. Right. Mm -hmm. So who do we leave in charge? Do they know it? Right. Where are the documents located? But even to be organized enough, I know myself, I have my own quote unquote filing system. Right. That I understand completely. Um, But it might not be understood by the executor of my will. It might not be understood by my kids. And then um, there's something when we actually launched our book for pre-order, anyone who pre-ordered got um, a download, which is called the personal document locator. And that's amazing is a little PDF, but it's a little place to put where everything is, right? Like, so there might be a safe deposit box. Well, where's the key? And which version of the credit union, because there might be nine in your town, is that safe deposit box located? Who's also joint owner on the account that can get into the safe deposit box? As well as where are your passwords? I'm a big fan of password aggregators. Um, There's uh, options out there like TrueKey or LastPass or just go to your IT support if you have a company and just say, is there a password aggregator? So with that, there's one password that you put in and it opens up all of your passwords like a vault. So the, the login to my Password aggregator is in my estate documents. So my executor knows this is how you get in because we are in a very paperless society many of times. And that's how I am organized is through PDF documents, right? And you need to have access to them moving forward. So those are those handy tips, whether you you nailed it on the head, whether it be through a spouse, whether it be for our children or the best friend. My best friend is the executor of my estate not my husband. And I need to make sure that she can manage everything because she's going to be managing him. He's going to miss me so much as well as the estate. So let's make it a little easier for her. I color code a lot of things in my estate documents to match with all the statements. Yep. A little anal.
0: Uh, Well, it's important. (laughs) You know, you can be grateful for that when the time comes that you need that. I know I, I use LastPass. And I'm go. so grateful for that because I, I used to keep trying to keep my passwords in all kinds of different ways before I knew about things like that. And I was always missing one or something was always falling off or I'd forget to write down one when it changed. And it was it was hard, but last pass keeps it all organized and just makes it easy. Yeah. I know my husband, we were really good about. It passwords and knowing where things were. And so I wasn't concerned when he died until I realized that I didn't have the password for his phone. Mm. Because that's where you validate so many of the passwords. That's right. I had everything else, but I didn't have that. And for some reason, I still haven't quite figured out how all this happened. He was the I, I purchased the phones under my name, actually, before we got married. So and when we kept renewing things under that, but for some reason, his wasn't under my name. And I had a, a point where something happened with my computer, and I took it down to get it fixed. And the guy just wiped everything off without asking me, and all of everything left. No. And so when we got some of it back up, everything came up with his old information on it. He stayed on my phone. He's been gone for seven months. He was on my phone until about a month ago. We finally figured out the last thing on there that we needed to change so that it's now under my name instead of his name. (laughs) Because, you know, it would go to autofill things and it was his old address his his name you know nothing ever came in with my stuff and i i kept putting it in over and over again but i had to make one more change that i didn't know i needed to make so i can just see him laughing about the whole thing and saying, oh yeah, yeah i'm still I'm here coming up so it's really important to to all those things and and in this day of, of technology. And we don't all know all the
1: technology. It's very important to know what we need to know. Exactly. Exactly. As well as what are our rights, right? Mm -hmm. Does our executor actually have rights to log in? Do they not? Um, Who has access to our two-hour statements, right? What might be listed as beneficiary? What goes through the will? These are all important things, and that doesn't even take the humanity out of it. So much of it is conversations and making sure your wishes are known, right? Like yes. you might prepay your funeral. Awesome. But what's the feeling that you really want your funeral to have, right? Do do you want to have visitation? Do you not? Those are those conversations I do bring up very lightheartedly with my kids now, but I'm really serious about it because I got remarried six months ago and my late husband's been gone for almost nine years. So now we have a different layer to the conversation. But before that, I knew that if I passed, it was my kids that were carrying Mm -hmm. on the message and I needed to make sure they were well aware. And the last thing I would want is to be like, no, mommy wanted a pierogi truck or a kawassi truck at her funeral. Mm -hmm. And the other one saying, no, she wanted a full mass, like two Mm -hmm. very different conversations. Um, So I encourage people that to share those conversations. Use your podcast as a launch post to say, I was listening to this podcast today. What would you want? Tell me about your own fun funeral. How would it feel? Hey, where are your passwords? I also remember too, when my husband passed, we found in his nightstand a key ring. And it was an active key ring because it was like little key chains from all the trips we went on with the kids. And I can tell you, I knew about one of nine of where those keys belong. Oh, wow. To this very day. I don't know where the other keys belong. They were important to him. They were in his nightstand. They mm-hmm. were recent. But where did those keys belong? How come we never had a conversation about that? And what am I missing? Right? Yeah. What am I missing?
0: Yeah, that's that's so important. I know uh, one person who was a friend, a friend of my husband's. When he died, he didn't really have anybody that he had talked to. He wasn't married and wasn't sure, you know, nobody was sure what he wanted. Well, one of the people he knew was a- affiliated with the church and he knew just knew that he would have wanted his his funeral to be done in that church by that minister who had never met him. And the guy was an atheist, and anybody who knew him knew he was an atheist. Mm-hmm. And we couldn't seem to convince anybody that that wasn't what he wanted because this guy just knew that's what he wanted, even though they hadn't had a conversation about it. And that was the most uncomfortable funeral I think I ever sat at because I thought he would not want this. This is not him. Yeah. So it's, it's important. And my mom, I, I always use this example because <laughs> – it's a good example my dad died suddenly and she had to make all the arrangements I, I went down with her and, and helped her at the the mortuary and everything but she, he had they had no arrangements made and she made them all well after that I guess she decided that she didn't want my sister or I to have to worry about it when she died so she went down and made her arrangements at the same mortuary it's a small town and we knew it would be that mortuary so when mom died I knew it would be that mortuary. So my sister and I went down to make arrangements and the, the person who was taking care of us wasn't somebody that I knew. And she actually knew it was a small town, most of the people who worked there. So they didn't know who they were dealing with or anything to, to know much about her. But they said, you're in luck because your mom came down and she made all her arrangements. She knows what songs she wants, songs she went, I said, great. That's wonderful. Yeah. and. As this person was looking through the files and things, she discovered my mom had done it twice and paid for it twice.
1: And they didn't catch
0: it when she did it. Yeah. You'd think that they would have. Caught it the second time through. And fortunately, this person was honest enough to say, we owe you uh, a refund on this. And it was kind of interesting to see that she chose the same songs and
1: the same things <laughs> she at the service, was, but she had paid for it twice. <laughs> that is awesome. I'm very dedicated to her decisions. Yes. That well, was true. Like when my husband passed, he was he was in his early 40s. Mm. And I, I was in such grief that I remember sitting in my sister in law's living room and just letting my in laws. He had four brothers and sisters. He was the youngest of five. Um, make all of the decisions. They had buried their husband, uh, their parents years before, um, and I knew he'd probably want his decisions along those lines. That was the tradition of his family. So I really didn't even have a say in how we wanted his. A memorial to go or his burial. And I was so lucky that I had his extended family make those decisions and then they would come back to me and say, these are the decisions we made. Is everything okay with that? Yes, it is. Please move forward. So I didn't have to make those hard decisions. I didn't have to go pick out a casket or decide if he was going to be cremated and follow a timeline. I had helpful family there to help me through it. So I will always be thankful for that. And I always also encourage my families that are trying to make the plans like reach out to the community reach out to your mom or dad's best friend they might be able to help you through this they might have had those conversations with your parents yes yeah
0: yeah that's yeah. that's really important i i know uh with Jacques, my husband jock when he died he had gone down by himself to the mortuary before he was sick and made arrangements to be cremated and where the ashes were supposed to be scattered and they were supposed to take care of that and everything but he didn't say anything about the service and we had never talked about the service I just didn't dawn on me and I don't know why it didn't I'd already been through everything with both my mom and my dad and you'd think I would have had an idea but I, I just didn't and after he died, I thought, I have no idea what I'm going to do for the service. Does, didn't even have a clue because he he wasn't religi- religious. He had been. I think his family expected Catholic things, but I knew that he didn't. And one of his friends called me and he said, what are you doing for the service? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> he said, yeah. would you like me to handle it for you? And uh, I, I fully trusted this guy. He was a wonderful yeah. person. And he made the most incredible service I've ever seen. They, they both, we all were involved in theater. I, I actually owned a theater and the school of arts, and so we, we did it at the theater. And the guy made a whole production using the play Our Town as the basis of it, and he played the stage manager. Oh, and so he was in character the whole time, and invited people in, like people to sing and play music and, and speak and all that other thing as if it were part of a theatrical production.
1: And I know that was exactly what my husband would have wanted. That's beautiful. And that's so much reach out to the community, the ones who love you, trust them, let them rally around you. And you'll make the right decision. You'll feel it in your belly. You'll know if it was the right decision. I always that's the wisdom I always share with my widows and my widowers. You, you know in your belly. And mm-hmm. it's okay to follow that. Please do. Oh yes. Please do. Cause we we've all got that sense. We we really do.
0: We just need to trust it yeah. and and use it. Cause it it just it's such a gift to be able to do things that way. Agreed. I agree. I just gotta share the one thing about my husband's service that I thought was so cool. He was a lot older than I am, and he had a beautiful singing voice. And back in the days of live radio, he had a live radio show in Los Angeles where he sang, and there was a pianist there that accompanied him, and it was it was on the radio. And they had old 78 recordings of it, and I didn't know we had them, but I was cleaning out the house and found this, this one record of him singing. And I was working at the university at the time. I was able to take it to a guy that I knew there who was in tech, and he was able to actually get a recording that we could use so that when people came in for the service, my husband was singing to them.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. I
0: love that. I love that. So, yeah, just look for it. Things don't have to follow a certain pattern. If something comes up, use it, you know, find yeah. find ways to to make it the way you would want it or the way
1: your loved one would want it or both yeah i'll end with a a funny story that i shared in my book um like i shared i didn't make the decisions for the memorial um Mm -hmm. and so we were having what we called a viewing um at the church all in one day so the viewing before then the mass and then the burial um but so our local um, funeral parlor would actually Gather the pictures that the family would give, and make posters so people could see it while they were standing in line. But they asked us for four po- four pictures to put in the front of the vestibule, almost poster size. Um, so I shared with my sister in law, who was handling that portion of the of the program, pictures of each of my kids and one of me and Greg. And so we walk in uh, seven a.m. to the the church, me and the kids and my sister in law, to start. Right. To start the mm-hmm. whole process. And we walk in there in poster size is a picture of my late husband with each one of my babies, him, big smile, and him posing with um, the wax dummy from the wax museum of Sofia Vergara. <laughs> so <laughs> the pictures had gotten kind of interrupted so there was no picture of me and him and he had such a big smile because he loved Sofia Vergara and standing next to the wax museum figurine of her was the closest he could ever get um, and you couldn't tell it looked like her and so that was like four feet by three feet in oh, front of the church as we walked in and I tell you it was such light because I walked in I'm like kids look at that your daddy died happy he was married to Sofia Vergara not me Oh my God, he scored. So it was a little bit of lighthearted goodness. Um, And I don't know, I bet you all of the hundreds of people that came in that day were so confused (laughs) to see that because he was a very... um, We used to make fun of him, call him Beige Boy. He was a very conservative man, like pleated pants and always well-kept and always moral and under control. So him and Sophia Vergara at the entryway to a church (laughs) didn't make sense. So yeah, a fun story to share about that. Oh,
0: yeah. It's so wonderful when you can find something like that, that that makes it special and it makes, you know, really good memories, things that you can do. Uh, I, I just... I, I love it at services when people can get up and say something that's lighthearted, so that people can remember the the joy of the life instead of just the the sadness of the departure.
1: One hundred percent. That was the biggest smile he ever took a picture of. <laughs> well done. <laughs>
0: that's so cool. Well, I am so grateful that you're on the show today because you've got such an important message that we all need to listen to whatever stage of life we're in. Don't just think because you're young that you don't have to deal with it, that uh, you'll feel so much better when you don't have to deal with it. You don't have to think about it. It's just all taken care of and one less thing to concern yourself with so you
1: can enjoy your life. Yeah. And that understanding and taking control and having clear, transparent conversations, it helps everyone that we leave behind. Mm mm-hmm.
0: It really yeah. does. It's a, such an act of love. Beautiful act yeah. of
1: love. Thank you for the opportunity to share that message.
0: Oh, I'm, I'm so glad you were here. And for our listeners, in the show notes, you'll be able to see how to get Donna's book and how to see the things that she does and uh, be in touch with her because she she's such a wonderful resource for us. And I really appreciate you being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. And to our listeners, we'll see you next week with another exciting guest that's going to help you on your way. So I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Aloha. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode